And welcome everybody to the another edition of the Between Two Wheels podcast. This is your host Tyler Yonke on today's show, Colorado Classic. It looks like it's a go. Maybe some different TV formats. We'll talk about that. Drug testing in a pandemic. How are we doing that? Some world tour news. Some domestic cycling. Legion of LA. They got some news. Some Olympic teams. Uh, some things to make you home. Some winners and losers. And what did Kurt say? Eh, do we really even care now? All coming up on the Between Two Wheels podcast, 178. Well, everybody, I appreciate you joining in with us today. Episode 178, Between Two Wheels podcast. This is Tyler Yonke. I hope everything's going fine. Um, Kurt and Chris, my two podcast buddies, Kurt said he's not he's not doing anything until a vaccine, and I assume he means for COVID nineteen, a vaccine is created. Um, so we'll, we'll just wait for him on that, dude. We're, we're doing group rides, so coming down, join us. He's he's locked away. I don't know if he's on his uh, compound Antifa place, white. I don't know what. <laughs> I'm throwing all kinds of stuff out there. We'll see if any of it sticks. All right. Colorado Classic, um, it's a go right now. So uh, as far as we know, they're going to, Colorado Classic is going to move ahead with a revised format. And um, with that, we're going to see, um, hang on, we got we got some problems here with the, with the monitor. So um, monitor beat, <clears throat> Colorado Classic is going to go ahead and we are going to, um, there we go. Okay, um, Colorado Classic moving ahead, revised format, made for TV streaming model, women's stage race scheduled for August 27 through 30 in various Colorado communities. Uh, after success in its innovative streaming live streaming model during the 2019 edition, the Colorado Classic race promoters plan to offer even more opportunities for viewing the event in 2020. <clears throat> so what was interesting about this, I, I went back and read uh, Fred Dreyer's uh, whole write-up on Vela News about it. Um, you know, I complained when the, the men were doing it and they're having some bad weather about, I did a breakdown because I talked to someone who kind of had some connections in the, the TV stuff of going over there about how pathetic it was and that they weren't, you know, they have a helicopter or airplane going up their fixed wing and then they're trying to broadcast to it. Well, they decided the cost of everything with this, with the TV is just so outrageous. So they cut TV out altogether. And last year they've, they've been working on it, um, like a live streaming, uh, format, you know, the tour tracker, but doing it without going to TV and dropping it into Facebook, drop it onto YouTube and actually allowing different, um, publications or groups to take this in and do some of their own live commentating. Maybe we can get involved in that. Uh, I have to schedule my, uh, normal work time around this. Um, okay. So event planners, uh, organizers plan to provide, free start to finish coverage of the women's four day stage race to be distributed by dozens of outlets worldwide. New this year are features such as immersive point of view cameras. Don't know what that means. Zoom watch parties. We, we kind of know what that means. Super fan simulcasts. Eh, that sounds horrible. Guest commentator drop-ins. That's probably almost less horrible and behind the scenes coverage of pre and post race activities. Okay, cool. Uh, this streaming model is concurrent effort to keep the race on the calendar despite the newfound challenges of hosting a bike race amidst a coronavirus pandemic. In addition, race organizers uh, organizers plan to limit the gathering of groups 
Eliminate all on-site ancillary activities, start, finish expos. Okay, so basically any way to um, for the, them to make money at the event. The infrastructure around this year's race will be scaled back, but our top priority is to create an, an opportunity for world-class competition in an environment that best supports and focuses on the health and well-being of the riders. Good. Um, that's, that's all good and hopeful and hopefully we'll get something um, creative out of that. Carter Classic is working diligently within the public health orders to have this race, said Rose Abello, tourism director at Snowmass Tourism. We are looking forward to welcoming the best female riders all over the world to Snowmass and look forward to cheering them on via live stream just as enthusiastically as we would have in person at the finish line. Well, that's not going to happen, um, but um, pretty cool to to see how that's hopefully going to manifest itself and um, take place. And and I'm I'm looking forward to. It. I'm I'm also hoping that this year is a little bit. Look, <clears throat> we're going to talk here in a little bit about the uh, um, Olympic teams that were um, selected. Uh, the long team of uh, going out for 2021 now Tokyo Olympics. And uh, you're going to see, you think Chloe Doggart made it? Of course. Well, she destroyed everyone in this race last year. And I was really disappointed in the depth of the field of the, the racing um, to see that she uh, she was obviously one of the top. I mean, when you saw what she did in the time trial at Worlds and knowing that she can do that, and she did that on uh, basically every stage there, she just turned it into a time trial and the, the field itself could not catch her. So that was a little bit disappointing, but it says a lot about her and it says a lot about actually the field. So maybe, we, um, you know, women's cycling, I, you know, I was looking at it, it looked like their whole UCI calendar is just destroyed for this year. So maybe this will be a little bit bigger. Hey, if we can have an event, have some teams, um, get a little bit better competition, you know, Katie, Katie Hall, I don't even know if she was there last year, uh, you know, a bunch of these, different, or she wasn't in the same uh, mode of fitness uh, for this. So, you know, the climbing stage, uh, Chloe Dagger destroyed everyone, which you shouldn't really see with um you know everyone primed and ready to go in this case so anyway Colorado classic looks good for the women at least they're going to get that situation going and uh with with that being said you know um excitement all around um you know we talked about short seasons coming in and how that's going to manifest itself for everything there's some of that is the concern about drug testing and how that is going to um, so <laughs> that's going to uh, bring itself about with, um, you know, since everybody's have a time off and how, how were they actually able to do that? The outer line, uh, they had Bella news anti-doping during the COVID-19 lockdown. Does the COVID-19 era offer a doper's dream or an avenue for the enhancement of anti-doping techniques? <clears throat> um, so as the 2022 Tour de France looms less than three months away, away, a skeptic could be excused for wondering if the COVID-19 lockdown period offers a one-time opportunity for would-be dopers in the sport. All the riders have been at home by themselves. Very little testing has been conducted, and everyone knows the proposed date on which the racing calendar will restart. This seems like a dream set of circumstances for those who would try to cheat the system while anti-doping agencies around the world are striving to adapt to the new normal, hate that word, or two words, uh, with various innovations in remote and vi virtual testing, it would be, will it be enough to ensure clean racing in the months ahead? That's the question proposed. Um, a top bunch of top riders, including Roman Bardet, Tom Dumoulin, Thibaut Pinot, um, have professed concerns about how to maintain the integrity of the upcoming shortened season and have indicated they haven't been tested in months. <laughs> All those guys, uh, not really tested. 
<clears throat> Although uh, this worrisome mix of increased riders' incentives and decreased likelihood of detection would potentially result in short-term increase in doping behaviors, and this would be a truly unfortunate step backward at a time when it generally and acknowledged that cycling has cleaned up its game and has perhaps done more than almost any other global sport to fight doping. I don't know. You know, I saw uh, an interview with uh, Floyd Landis. I, I mentioned before I saw one with um, Tyler Hamilton after he saw the first episode of the Lance 30 for 30. Uh, same two guys, British guys, interviewed uh, Floyd Landis um, after seeing the last one, and that was pretty interesting too. You know, one asked Floyd, and I would love to sit down and kind of walk, because he asked him the question, and then the follow-ups are pretty lame. But asking Floyd the questions about uh, his own positive test uh, after, what, the 19th or 16th stage of the, the Tour de France, I think it was 16th, stage 16 of the Tour de France in 2006 when he did the long breakaway, and then he tests positive later. Um, you know, his his thing is, he goes, look, I had the same exact procedures and regiments. Um, he even broke down kind of the stage itself and why him getting away wasn't indicative of doping. And he's like, actually, I had taken, um, a, 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 I don't know that he had done testosterone, so he didn't really get into this, but... Um, he had done a, a blood transfusion uh, before stage 15, and I think 15 was the one that he just died on. So, you know, he dies on 15, he loses like 10 minutes on the last whatever, and then he ends up recouping it back uh, on the 16 or 17. Um, and, and the fallout of him taking off several mountain passes earlier, he talks about his, his power wasn't anything ex extraordinary except for, you know, what he can do for several hours. Anyway, it was all interesting. But... Um, you're looking at here, these guys, if they're still doping, they're still testing. His point was, we did the same procedures, same everything. Um, I don't know why I got caught for what I did, because that's not what I was doing. Eh, interesting, but, you know, he was doing something. Uh, and these guys, if they're doing it, they're doing the microdosing or whatever, it's not really, they haven't been getting caught anyway. So eh, is the testing really going to to do it? I think the, the biological passport is more uh, indication and that's kind of what we're going to hear with uh, Travis Tiger. Tiger believes that um, even though the virtual testing protocol doesn't provide the ability to physically watch a sample being given, Wizinator would be a, a way around that anyway, the sample itself would have to be consistent with the physiology of the person providing it. The vast scientific data and important library of biological passport history makes it difficult to cheat. For example, substituting someone else's same sample for your own that such that this is currently a viable enforcement method and could be implemented as a skill feature. Interesting. Um, they talked then about trying to do some things uh, a little bit different than just the actual samples itself. And actually, you know, the, the kind of like the, the plat passport um, tiger asked, and ask and their colleagues in the anti-doping agencies would obviously like to see a return to more normal circumstances where proven anti-doping techniques could again be utilized to maintain the integrity of the sport under their domain. Quote, but we're not just waiting around for a vaccine, said Tiger. We'll continue to innovate and try to find ways to do our job if this thing continues to drag on. Um, anyway, that's uh, interesting concept there and what they have to deal with you know we talked about that you're going to have a short season maybe and i'm going to get to uh something later on here that's kind of tied in with this about what some writers are actually doing and um it's it's interesting because um you know there's there's the ethic boundaries of what some of them are trying to do to push it 
and maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Uh, we're not sure. Okay, so on to world tour. Uh, look, we have the cycling calendar. I don't really know exactly. Um, I think <clears throat> we've talked about that before, what races are coming up. I don't think anything's necessarily been um, removed off of there. Uh, there was an issue with Milan San Remo that they, and RCS, they had given a date that they were gonna go. And then there's some other things scheduled. So they're yelling at each other and complaining, but um, it looks like Milan San Remo's a go. There's gonna be so much packed into here. It will be interesting. It'll be interesting if we get any domestic racing to coincide with any of this. Okay, <clears throat> how about some news from the world tour? Um, Jim Akowitz, um, he was BMC. Before that, he was uh, Team 7-Eleven. Um, he's now uh, decided that, well, he's given the announcement that um, CCC will end sponsorship at the end of the season. He's now looking for to find a new financial backer, but he has uh, failed to do so. Um, he's confirmed that the Polish shoe manufacturer will end their sponsorship of the World Tour team at the end of the 2020 season. That suck. I mean, you, you come out, and who knows if coronavirus killed this um, team um, for this year because they they came out of this BMC failure, CCC comes in, kind of a savior, and they don't really even get a race for much of the year, uh, almost a whole year. You're not going to be able to do something. But um, riders have gone without pay in recent months until a compromise was agreed to pay them half of their yearly wage while non-essential staff were let go. Bike manufacturer Giant will stay on with Akowitz and could even join another company as a co-headline sponsor. So he's not giving up. Looking ahead to 2021 season, CCC will no longer be the title sponsor. So we are now actively looking for a new title sponsor, Aquix said in a statement released on Monday. Um, yeah, so they've, uh, I, there's a, there's a, so <clears throat> what's gonna happen with some of these guys? Well, Greg Van Avermaet, he ends up coming out and saying uh, that he's, he's on the hunt right now. So he's looking for some sort of buyout if possible, to basically go anywhere um, that will have him if uh, if they can for the remainder of the season. So he has <clears throat> considering a transfer as Team CCC lose title sponsor. Classic Star hopes to find a new backer, but says other teams are interested. <clears throat> He's considering a transfer. Um, Polish shoe company. Yeah, we know that. See if you have any quotes here from Greg. There are many teams that are interested. My performance is still there, and I was one of the best one-day riders in the UCI ranking last season. That reassures me for next year. When asked if he might consider a transfer to a Belgian World Tour team, particularly one with a mighty reputation in the classics, I think they're talking about Dequan Quickstep, he added, I will certainly ride for a good team. Many teams are interested. I don't know if that's his accent, but... Um, that and you're going to see a little bit of uh, movement. I saw Riccatelli, um, young rider for uh, well, he had been on the USA junior team, he signed with Action Berman, so that was kind of cool to see that. You're going to see a few probably you know weird transfers, things coming in and out just because of we don't really know what's going on and you know what's what's happening here. Um, another one <clears throat> on the, the market you just found out today, Mitchell and Scott, they actually have a new title sponsor and they're going to have a new. Jersey new team um, name. So um, the new name is Manuela Fundacion, unveiled as new main sponsor of the Trek Smitherton Scott for the remainder of 2020. So you they have a, a jersey here and it's uh, kind of pink and blue. So it looks like they just replaced a lot of the yellow with the pink. And um, we're thrilled to have the support of the Manuela Fundacion 
to ensure our future uh, 2021 and beyond, says team owner Gary Ryan. Um, Mitch and Scott has announced 2020. Da, da, da. Let's see. They were see if there's anything that talks about what this team, uh, this sponsor actually is. Um, for many stints in the team's existence, the squad has been funded by one Australian businessman. Yeah, Mitchell, uh, we know that uh, after an unsettling and uncertain period, particularly in recent months, <clears throat> we are thrilled to have the support of Mr. Francisco Huertas and the Manuela Fundacion to ensure our future in 2021 and beyond. Okay, what is this? Uh, as an organization, we are moved by the story of the Manuela Fundacion, and we are looking forward to working with such a generous project and doing our part to contribute to their vision of helping and create a more supportive world. <clears throat> Manuela Fundacion is run by Francisco Francisco Huertas and his wife, Maria Agustias Gonzalez, with the organization's activities supported by their own funds. Their aim is to help create a more supportive world. Okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, maybe we'll get more of that in the future. <clears throat> so, um, cool. So they're going to have a new name. Uh, more teams that can come out and, and have some, you know, good info coming with them, the, the better. So I don't know if you have any, you know, CCC obviously needs to have some stuff. We've heard about other teams having trouble. So, you know, the, the world of cycling and sponsorship is just, uh, we've talked about this so many times and we'll go say a few things about it again. It's uh it's unique. It's more like formula one, but yet without, you know, being able to have, um, structures where you can get money, TV deals and, um, you know, uh, event, you know, ticket sales, those kind of things. So you're, you're really subjected to the, the whim of the, uh, of the sponsor. And that's really tough. Uh, there's all kinds of, you know, Lance and uh, Chad Haga, I think, and some others have been talking about kind of lamenting the fact that they don't have a union. And, you know, we're taking these pay cuts and da 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 da. Well, okay. So let's say you had a union. Um, what would be, what would be the, 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 your argument and your leverage right now? This pandemic. We're not talking about other times. Pandemic times and teams are not racing. You know, if you get suspended, and I know it's a little different, but if you get suspended from, you know, football, uh, basketball, whatever, you're not getting a paycheck usually during those times. They prorate them. Um, if the teams aren't racing and you're not able to race, it's kind of the same idea. If the, you know, the teams aren't able to, to put themselves out there, are they still paying you? Now, then there's the, the point of they're doing everyone a favor. And, it's, and this is what's weird to me too. You get money from a sponsor and that money, I guess it's contingent on all year payments. They don't just get a you know lump sum up front, even though you have to do a bank guarantee. <clears throat> so you should be able to make those payments all year long. But if the, the company's not making money, they're shut down. They're not able to pay you sponsorship money. Your team's shut down. What are you going to do as a demand from a union, um, even a strong union for a rider pay? I don't know. I don't know. That's where you're going to go. I think, I think they, they need to have some more strength and build up uh, so that you can um, be a little bit more stronger and maybe get in some revenue from TV deals of the RCS and, and ASO and those kind of things. Cause otherwise you're just, you're just building a strong union and doing, I don't know at this point, it's just not really going to be um, useful. <clears throat> okay. Roman Bardet, he said he's been offered a contract with Sunweb for 2021. He also admits he's unsure about his future at AGR La Mondiale. Maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, Arkea Samsic, they have a dual role for this year's tour. You know, people are starting to, to queue up for these kind of things. And you know, the tour is going to come up and, and other. Um, 
So we've got a report here from Cycling Pub, Archaic Samsic, Nairo, and Warren Bargill to lead Archaic Samsic and the Tour de France. <clears throat> it makes absolutely no sense for me because um, Bargill, he did fairly well. What was it? I want to say 17, 2017. Uh, maybe the climber's jersey, he was kind of up in there. He, he had a great uh, tour. I know he won a stage. Uh, but he was still, you know, off the podium, and then he didn't he didn't follow it up the next year. He had an issue that same year with Sunweb at the uh, Vuelta, not supporting um, his own teammate, <clears throat> so he got kicked out. Um, he's just you know, Nairo's at least been a lot more consistent, even if there's some inconsistencies there with him as well. But uh, Nairo and Warren are set to be share the leadership of Chaos Samsic and the Tour de France. Two climbers have been getting ready to restart their seasons after the calendar stopped due to the COVID nineteen. With a bit more clarity in the racers uh, that are to come, races to come, the team has already decided the road that the two riders will take to the Tour de France. Uh, in the first races, Bargion, Quintana, you know, Quintana, I'm not going to read too much more of this, but Quintana, you know, he had a great start to the season. He had uh, the, the the Tour of La Provence, killed everyone there. I think there was another one as well that he had done, and he was he was definitely on fire, doing well, <clears throat> and, and some of his riding... Uh, it was more than spectacular. Uh, at least I thought he was really seemed to be, especially after watching the uh, the movie star documentary. You can see how disgruntled and just how mentally down he was during last year, and probably you know a, a cascade of events from several years kind of leading into that. So <clears throat> I, I I saw him as kind of already taking a different step, and his riding had been exceptional. So it would have been interesting to see what he could have been uh, doing. And look, well the road really decides. So all you're doing is splitting it here, but you know, knowing, uh, Bargui, it's uh French team. Well, is it a French team? I don't know, but it's on the French roads. He's going to get a little, he's going to do some wacky stuff. It's going to cause problems. Uh, we'll see what happens. I just don't foresee much. Um, I don't have a good feeling about that. All right. Justin Williams, Legion of LA raised 50 K. And I think this number has gone significantly up since then. Money will go towards support junior programs, rider grants, as well as camps and equipment. Justin Williams, Legion of LA cycling team has launched a fundraiser to help increase diversity and inclusion in the sport. Uh, the team have already surpassed their goal of 50,000, which will be used to support junior programs as well as provide rider grants, teams, camps, uh, and equipment. Legion of LA was founded, okay, we know Corey, uh, Justin Williams, uh, the goal of injecting life into American cycling. We are showing that representation matters at the top of the podium, giving our hearts and souls and bringing hope, acceptance to the outdoor world. Team wrote on their fundraising page, Look, this is what's uh, awesome, right? Um, USA Cycling, they're just announced their long team. And, you know, they, they, I watched the video. It had Jim Miller, my former teammate uh, at uh, OLME uh, Professional Cycling. Um, then they had Patrick Dempsey's, like, the uh, honorary coach. So they had um, – and you'd think these guys would have a little bit better connections because it kept stalling out. You couldn't hear what they're saying. Um and they don't use a mic or they're standing way back. It's like showing their chin. Come on, Patrick Dempsey, you use TV all the time. You think you can get a good camera and maybe a good mic and then maybe light yourself and, and have it. But no, he decided to do it just as janky as you'd expect. Uh, anyway, they had a conversation about, you know, uh, funding and kind of was their big deal. You know, that's everyone's big deal. Oh, you know, imagine what we can do with all the money. Uh, true, that's that's partially true, but it, what's what's also interesting, you know, they're they're begging for money from I don't know uh, us, I guess, uh, dues, probably the government. Um, 
Legion of LA has a great online presence. They are, they win races, they're dynamic, they have videos, they're, they're doing every, they're doing amazing stuff. And when I interviewed Justin Williams, uh, not Justin, well, I've interviewed him too, but Tyler Williams earlier in the year, you know, he said, look, these guys are, he goes, I'm not great at it, but they're really pushing for like online presence and doing some things and they're helping him with that. And he's uh, got to post things and that's what they do. And then what, the, what happens here? They end up, um, you know, getting a bunch of money for their team because, and they already had a structure in place that they were looking to do that. And, you know, you can look back at our interview with Tyler and he does discuss that kind of stuff. So um, I, I believe that they've got a, a, a great chance here and opportunity to uh, kind of push forward some of their uh, agenda and get some money uh, as they do so as well. So, and, you know, times are, times are strange right now anyway. So, these guys are, I guess, capitalizing on, on all kinds of situations. Uh, USA Cycling, we'll talk about that. Uh, they named their long team for the Tokyo Olympics. And we'll kind of break down uh, surprises. I don't know. This is a long team. So we'll have to talk to, as the time gets closer, um, talk to Mike Sayers. And I saw him on the uh, ride this weekend. It was nice talking to him, getting catching, uh, catching up a little bit. Um, you know, USA Cycling is kind of on a on a hold. I mean, Jim Miller's obviously working there, but I don't know about the the, the Olympic guys, uh, Sayers, um, Matt, uh, Billy, Billy Ennis, some of these other ones. So it's uh, I'm not sure exactly what their their whole situation is, but um, hopefully he'll still be involved. We can go through here and look at who's been picked here for what. So mountain bike team. Um, talk, start with the women uh, are kind of local. Kate Courtney has been selected. Lee Davidson, she's been around a while. Um, Chloe Woodruff, Aaron Huck, Haley Batten, Hannah Finchamp, and then it looks like men. I don't know, maybe they just can't take as many. Christopher Blevins and Keegan Swenson. Those are the uh, men and women long team for the road. Let's do the track here. You have Megan Jastrub, Kendall Ryan, she also rides the road, Chloe Digerter, of course, uh, Emma White, Jennifer Valent, Lily Williams, Maddie Godby, Mandy Marquette, Christina Burke, and then the men's side, and those are all some, and then they've done well. I think they had the gold medal at the Pan Am or something like that, or one of these. Uh, Adrian, or maybe it was even world, Adrian Hegvery, Gavin Hoover, and Daniel Holloway. Daniel Holloway, some of you may remember him, uh, rode around here. Um, I think he's from San Francisco, the Bay Area. A uh, really good crit rider. Uh, I guess they're moving to track. And that does not look like a stellar men's team. Sorry, just saying, just saying that's a little little shy on on who you got here okay let's go to the road uh start with the women no no surprises here this is some, some stalwarts here katie hall ruth winder uh so you got two locals there uh corn rivera another californian leah thomas amber neben taylor wiles also a local uh chloe digert no surprise there lauren stevens krista doble hickok and then on the men's side you get uh, alex howes Lawson Craddock, TJ Van Garderen, local Nilsson Palace, Sepp Cuss, Ian Garrison, and Brandon McNulty. Uh, Brandon, you know, a young guy. Um, some of these guys are all getting their chances to do some big stuff. Um, what's interesting there, I mean, Sepp Cuss is really the only one of any of these with a Grand Tour stage win recently. I mean, he was last year, he had one at the Volta. 
Um, Alex Howells is going to, here's what you're going to have. You're going to get Alex Howells picks if they take three. Alex Howells, somehow it'll be TJ and Lawson, and you'll probably have some of these other guys who are riding better who won't get picked because you just always take Howells. I don't know why. He gets he has the jersey. Um, he doesn't stand out to me as like a, an exceptional one day. He was a good support rider, but uh, I don't know that you're going to get him much more for anything else than that. So that's the that's the the Olympic team long team. So my curiosity is okay. We talked to Sayers before about picking him, and I think it had to do with how you compete at Worlds. Um, you get certain slots. I know for the TT, it could only be one. It could be two or multiples. But you have to you know get guys in the top ten. I don't know since the Olympics moved out a year if the um, ability to have more riders is still up in the air now or if it was already capped as if the Olympics were going to be this year. So that's maybe an inquiry. Maybe if someone else knows that out there, you give us that info um, and um, then we'll be able to find it. Back to coronavirus and testing. So daily coronavirus tests in the Peloton, not feasible, say, team doctors yeah so world tour racing set to return in august discussion has turned at how keep how to keep riders safe so there's some, some questions here about you know what they're going to do world tour racing is just around the corner some of you just a daily coronavirus tests in the peloton could be the answer this has been disputed by team doctors professor bert blocken an aerodynamics expert at eindhoven university of technology said regular testing would be a small effort for teams and organizers to keep race coronavirus free compared with holding no races at all to prevent the spread. But doctors from Lotto Sudal, Circus Vante Gruber, um, have disputed the practicality of daily tests. Okay, so I'm not sure in a big race, that's quite a hassle, dragging in between hotels. Da, da, da. Um, at the moment, there are no country company or certainly no cycling teams available to do this flawlessly. Um, then they talk about financial costs. I'll just say, I don't know that that's um, necessarily <clears throat> a problematic. Um, I think it was, I think it was Joe Rogan. He's still doing his podcast and, and he's been doing this whole thing uh, in his studio during the pandemic. And he brings people in and he's like, I have a doctor here and we just do, boom, we do a test on them. Uh, now getting the results. I mean, you're going to start having tests that are going to have results much quicker, but you know, they, they snap it off before, they, if they could do that before they do a, um, a, a podcast. Why couldn't you do that every day? So, and maybe a little bit much, but uh, I bet you can do it. So, I don't know that you just dispel that it's not the case. If there, if that really is your concern, and you're, um, you know, got issues with uh, coronavirus, and that's still a, a something that you're concerned about, then maybe you take the effort to do what you can to, you know, to to resolve that. I don't know. What do you think? Anybody? Maybe so. I think I think they can do it. How about some things that make you go, hmm? Well, recently found out the news story is everyone was out there talking about it. I don't know about everyone out there talking about it, but about uh, Victor Campenertz. Campenertz is now saying he's sleeping in a, a tent. He's doing it at uh, elevation. And he is doing it to the point where right above, <laughs> right below where you would uh, die, he says, and right close to, um, right close to the, the, the point where, where you get the most benefits such as from, um, let's see if we can find it here and, and actually bring up a story on it. Uh, most of the point and, and the closest you can to being um, like EPO, 
but without actually taking EPO. And he said then there's also a, a point at which you're very close to death because of the weight. Um, so 4,700 meters, he said, is like a rider on EPO. So Victor Kampenert set altitude tent to 4,700 meters to feel like a rider on EPO. Medically, that is the height at which you are just not starting to die. <laughs> He's revealed that despite very little training, he is in top condition after sleeping in an altitude tent for the past three weeks. The R record holder lives near sea level in Belgium, but the tent was enabled him to uh, simulate the atmospheric. You know, this is the guy, if you remember a few years ago, um, I think it was the Vuelta. <clears throat> he had a sign on his shirt asking for a date. Um, you know, and he came across the line. Uh, he ended up getting a date with her. Um, it, evidently, it didn't work out, but you can see a guy that's sleeping in a tent in you know uh, in your own house might not get too many dates just just throwing that out too altitude tents also known as hyperbaric or hypoxic chambers are permitted under world doping agency rules but are banned in some countries including italy and norway um i yeah that's that's Altitude training camps commonly see riders at 2,000 meters, but he's been up to 4,700. This is, of course, extremely high, he told Sporza. Medically, this is the height at which you are just not starting to die. Just not starting to die. I think, you know, you're just about to die. If you went higher, your body would start to break down because it is too heavy. At 4,700 meters is also the height at which you extremely trigger your body to produce red blood cells and still have enough energy to do that. The condition uh, was so tough that Carpenter was barely able to <laughs> to ride his bike at a time when many of his colleagues were clocking up long base building training rides. I cycled less than the average cycling tourist in that period. I only rode eight hours a week, he said. But after some those weeks in an altitude tent, you are super strong because you have produced so many red blood cells. You should be able to feel like a rider who took EPO. Only I barely cycled for three weeks while a rider who took EPO would have ridden hard for three weeks. I want to start training. So basically he was uh, able to um, do a few rides. Um, I, I want to start the last training block towards the season with an unprecedented high hematocrit, he said, referring to the concentration of red blood cells in your, uh, in your blood, which was formerly used as an indicator of EPO use. You know, they say 50 was the max, so people would dope up to that or they'd have to get an excuse uh, for being over if they said they were naturally over the limit. And we've heard all about that with Lance and then, of course, everyone's gone to blood bikes. Interesting to see that he's gone this route and that with this, he is um, touting, hey, this is just like, and, and you know, so it brings in some ethical questions. Is this, is this ethical? I mean, you're, you're doing some wacky, you're probably, may, you might be more dangerous to your body doing this than perhaps even EPO if you're doing it the way. So even if it, maybe there's something to be said, but, um, you know, everyone's looking for different methods and I guess just sleeping, you know, instead of him going up, being in the top of the Andes mountains or something or in the Alps there, he's just, he's just doing it this way. So I eh, seems a little suspect. I don't know. Anybody have any ideas of, uh, what they think about that? I would put this down to maybe our loser situation instead of the winners and losers. I don't know if I have any winners at this point. Um, there is some talk here about, and it'll be interesting to see the three prong, um, horsemen of the apocalypse for team Ineos going up the tour. You have, uh, Froome, Bernal and Thomas and how that works out, um, compared, you know, some other teams that are doing some doubles and some other 
combos and if this works in their favor or not. Uh, I don't think, you know, we had rumor before that perhaps um, Froome was going to be leaving the team and you know, transferring, whether that was going to be something that they were going to do. I don't think that's that's possible or that that's going to happen. So you're going to see a three-pronged attack. I think Froome is a dedicated rider. You're, he's not, he doesn't appear to be that kind of team rider that's going to, but, man, we don't know. It, it could be, th this could be very exciting. I think the thing, you know, they, um, they used to say, I remember Johnny Miller in golf talking about Tiger Woods when he slaughtered everyone at the U.S. Open Pebble Beach. And he's like, you know, the only thing that can bring this guy down is uh, family. And what he meant by that is, you know, you care too much about family that you, you don't really care about golf anymore, kind of like focusing your time on your kids. Well, that he was partially true. It did bring him down, but it was his love of other people's families or his lack of his own, own attention to his own wife that did kind of bring him down. And um, it's kind of what you, I don't know. I don't know what my comparison is, but you know what? Let's, let's get out of here. Let's uh, hope everyone has a good weekend. Did some more riding. I did gravel. Did a gravel segment on Strava. Posted a little video out there. Um, flatted the first time. And then, I don't know. You know what? I hope everyone has a good good weekend. Keep the rubber side down. Stay safe. Tyler Yonke, episode 178, Between Two Wheels Podcast. Thanks again. <laughs>